This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, I his Faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's powers bloom, by water still or troubled sea, still tis his hand that leads. Lord, I would place thine hand in mine, nor ever murmur, nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since tis thy hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death's gold wave I will not flee, since God through He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Ooh. Mm-hmm.
my feeble life is old. Time for me will be no more. God. Welcome to worship, good neighbors. You're listening to a Neighbors United in Christ parish worship service sponsored by the Lutheran churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Pastor Greg Wilcox. Thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tagg, our musicians. Thanks to Eileen Flatten, who will be reading our lessons and doing our children's message. Thanks to Isaac Christensen, who is our recording engineer. You're able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577 by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. Today's radio broadcast is sponsored by Vern and Donna Lee, faithful members at Trinity Lutheran. Thanks to Vern and Donna for their generous sponsorship of uh, today's program. A few additional announcements. Uh, just about upcoming Sunday services. This Sunday, August 8th, is at Little Falls at 9 a.m. August 15th, our uh, live worship service is at Deronda Lutheran at 9 a.m. August 22nd is at Trinity Lutheran at 9 a.m. and that is an outdoor service, weather permitting. After each of those services, if there's nothing else going on, I've been doing an adult forum on the Sermon on the Mount. Those are uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the Gospel of Matthew. Really Jesus' central teaching about what it means to be a follower of his. Also, uh, if you are interested in a visit either from myself or from our visitation pastor, Lauren Tegg, you can leave a message at that same number, and I'll mention that again. The phone number is 715 268-9577 
We now have a parish administrator, Sue Olson, in place, and she'll be checking those messages routinely. And if you'd like a visit from either Lauren and I, you can leave a message and we'll set that up. So again, welcome to our worship. Thanks for tuning in. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. These Sundays are Sundays after Pentecost. You may want to have a green cloth to lay before you, a candle and a cross. You might enjoy making a small worship space to enhance your at-home worship experience. You may also want to have a Bible with, or Bibles for the kids as part of your home worship materials. As we begin worship, it's our desire to honor God, to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence, and we begin with this invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. Amen. We continue then with our confession. God of goodness and mercy, Help us as we open our hearts and confess our sins. We doubt your presence and activity in our lives when we are struggling, confused, or hurting. Sometimes we lack patience, assuming we know when and how all things should happen. We forget that you are faithful in your promises to us. Other times we forget how vast your love is for us, for each of your children that you have uniquely created with purpose. We are truly sorry and ask for your forgiveness. Help us to do what's right in the days to come. Surround us and renew us with your grace. Amen. Hear then this absolution. God is good and loves us unconditionally at all times and in all places. By grace we have been saved. In the name of Jesus our sins are forgiven. Amen. I hope you can join us as Jim and Debbie lead us in our gathering songs. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Free to all a healing stream flows from Yeah. 
Till my raptured soul shall find Rest beyond the river Near the cross, O Lamb of God Bring its scenes before me Help me walk from day to day With its shadow o'er me In the cross, in the cross Be my glory ever Till my raptured soul Near the cross I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach the golden strand, just beyond the river, in the cross. Thanks, Jim and Debbie, for that beautiful music. Good neighbors, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Please join me as we pray the prayer of the day. Let us pray. Gracious God, your blessed Son came down from heaven to be the true bread that gives life to the world. Give us this bread always, that he may live in us and we in him, and that, strengthened by this food, we may live as his body in the world, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I encourage you now to share a sign of peace. Bless yourself, or you can bless someone worshiping with you today, beginning with a touch on the forehead and using the Trinity formula, which is, Be blessed, or I am blessed, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This time I'll ask Eileen to come as we turn to the Holy Scriptures and also do our children's message. Eileen. The first reading is from 1 Kings 19, verses 4 through 8. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat. 
for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. The second reading is Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The next reading is from Ephesians 4, 25 through 5, verse 2. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehoods and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So good morning, boys and girls. It's now time for our children's message, and as I like to say, for all of us who are still children at heart. Today I'd like to talk about superheroes. Most superheroes have a secret weapon or a superpower, something only they can do that regularly gets them out of trouble and helps them catch the bad guys. Have you ever heard of Superman? What's special about Superman? His strength, his speed, his x-ray vision, what about PJ Maxx? Don't each of them have a special power? Can you think of any other superheroes and their superpowers? Maybe Spider-Man, Wonder Woman? Well, I'm here today to tell you about a Christian superpower. We just read about it from the Bible. Were you listening? One of today's Bible readings was from the book of Ephesians. This is a letter written to Christians who lived in a city called Ephesus. This letter was written many years ago by one of the first Christians named Paul. Paul was a great leader in the church just after Jesus rose from the dead. Paul traveled around quite a bit and made friends for Christ. He liked to keep in touch with all the people he met, and he liked to reach out to others he knew who were trying to follow Christ. He was helping to build the first church. The first Christians often had problems. That part of the Bible about Jesus hadn't been written yet. They were just figuring out how to be a church, and sometimes they fought among themselves 
and sometimes they just didn't know the right thing to do. Paul's letter answers their questions and gives them advice on how to be better followers of Christ. Even though this letter was written over 2,000 years ago, its advice is still good for us today as we try to be better Christians. In this long letter to the Ephesians, Paul tells them what to do when they are angry. Have you ever been angry? What did you do when you were angry? Did you feel like you needed help? Everybody gets angry at some time, and that's all right. Paul doesn't tell the Ephesians not to get angry. Instead, he gives them two secret weapons that they can use when they start to feel angry. Can you guess what they are? One of them is love. Paul tells the Ephesians and us to imitate God and Christ. He tells us to live in love. He says to be tender and kind. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Well, sometimes we forget and we look for ways to get even with people who make us mad. That brings us to our second secret weapon. This secret weapon is really powerful. It's a true superpower. If you learn to use it, you will be a superhero. You don't have to be big or strong to use this superpower. You just have to practice. This powerful secret weapon is forgiveness. Sometimes, maybe even most of the time, it is hard to forgive someone when we are angry. But you will be surprised if you work at it, you will discover that once you forgive someone, the other person feels better, but so do you. It sounds impossible, but let's all give it a try. The next time we get angry, let's look for a way to forgive. It might be hard at first, it does take practice, and I can tell you, even grown-ups have to work at this a bit, but we can do it and God will help us. I hope you don't get angry this week. It's never fun to feel angry, but if you do start to feel angry, Stop and remember the word forgiveness. Take a deep breath, and while you're exhaling, think of a way you can forgive. Then work at it. Practice. Let me know if you have a chance to try using your superpower forgiveness and tell me how it made you feel. So at this time, I would like you to bow your head, fold your hands, and join me in the repeat after me prayer. Dear God, Thank you for granting us mercy and forgiveness. Help us to forgive one another. Give us peace and not bitterness. Thank you for erasing our sins. Thank you for your love. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound. Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. When I was in sin, Jesus lifted me. When I was in sin, Jesus lifted me. When I was in sin, 
Our gospel lesson for this Sunday is from the gospel according to St. John, verse 35 and then verses 41 through 51. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, the Minnesota State Fair is coming up pretty soon. The last time that I was there, I scored the perfect trifecta of fair junk food. I began with a jumbo corn dog with lots of ketchup. I walked along as I ate it looking for my second course, onion rings with lots of salt and a little ranch dressing. After polishing those off, I had dessert, a large funnel cake with lots of powdered sugar. As I said, the perfect trifecta. It's lucky for me that the fair comes around only once a year, because with a diet like that, I would soon be in tough shape. But for one night, it was a real feast. Now I know from past experience that if I were to try to have a steady diet of fair food, I would soon get a stomachache at the least and start feeling tired and worn at the most. And in fact, I also know that before long, I would start to really crave healthy, wholesome food. My body would get increasingly hungry for meat and potatoes and vegetables and fruits and so on. That's simply the way our bodies work. Interestingly, just like there is some wonderfully delicious junk food for our bodies, so too there's junk food for our hearts and souls. It's reminded of that some years ago now. I'd hit a rough patch in my life. Work wasn't going so well and I was feeling kind of blue. So I did what many people do when they're feeling down. I went shopping. Not clothes shopping or shoe shopping or something normal like that. No, I went out and bought a pinball machine. Growing up in Southern California, my mother used to drop me off on Saturday afternoons at a bowling alley with a dollar and dimes and I would spend the afternoon playing the pinball machines. I can still remember how my pulse would race as I looked to see if my favorite machine was free. The lights and the ding, ding, ding of the ball hitting the targets and the occasional satisfying loud click when I would win a replay. Suppose that in some sense I was mildly addicted to this machine, if addictions can be mild. 
Well, I couldn't find that same machine, but I found one just very similar to it. It's a little pleading to my wife about what a wonderful game this would be in our basement for our kids and their friends. I plunked down a pretty chunk of change and the pinball machine was mine. This machine was set up so that you just had to push a button and you could get as many replays as you wanted. And for the first three or four weeks I played all the time, except when the kids wanted to use it, which admittedly wasn't all that often. And I played and I played and it was good. It was a cool distraction from the unhappiness and frustration I was feeling. But then you can guess what happened, because the same thing always happens when we try to fill the emptiness in our hearts and souls with stuff. I got tired of it and played only on the weekends, and then, pretty soon, not at all. I realized that the sense of anticipation and excitement, the thrill when I bought something new, never really lasts very long. And before long, you're looking for something new to fill the hole in your heart. You're longing for something that can stop the aching in your soul. Many of you know that I have, along with my wife, been moving these past months from South Dakota to Minnesota. And as I've been moving, I've come across many items that at one time or another in my life, I bought with high hopes and expectations that this particular thing would somehow fill the hole in my heart, the longing in my soul. There were a variety of antiques, like tables and commodes and an old oak icebox. I really liked them for a while, and then they began to lose their luster. There was a lot of sports stuff, golf clubs and fishing gear, my first 22 uh, caliber rifle. Lots of fun, but finally not very fulfilling. I found stereo equipment, an old pioneer receiver, a CD player, a tape deck, even a record player with many of my old records, Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band, the Beach Boys and others. Remembered hours of listening to favorite hit songs that now would all be classified as oldies, just like me. Well, you get the idea. All of those things I bought with the idea that somehow they would fill that emptiness inside, and they did for a while, but not all that long before they lost that ability to thrill and excite me. I want to be very clear here. I'm not saying that stuff is bad, not at all. The world around us and the many good things it offers are wonderful gifts from God like the manna in the wilderness that Jesus mentions in our gospel lesson today, all this good stuff brightens our days. But, as Jesus also mentions, it can't satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. It can't keep us from dying. In verse 49, Jesus says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. What do we really want then? What do we really need? Deep down inside, what are we hungering and thirsting for? Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not hunger. The one who believes in me will never thirst. But what can that really mean? What does that really look like, this bread of life that Jesus offers us? Let me share a little story with you. And I have shared this before, I think maybe during the Lenten season as one of those Wednesday night services. 
This event happened years ago now, but it continues to haunt me with its power and its promise. And it really has become for me emblematic of that bread of life that Jesus says he offers each of us. When my family moved from Minnesota to South Dakota and I began working for the Good Samaritan organization, my parents moved from South Dakota down to Kissimmee, Florida to a retirement community there. And every year, either at Christmas or at Easter, my wife and I and our four kids would drive down to Kissimmee to spend a week with mom and dad. We would start on a Friday night and load up our uh, big conversion van and we would drive the 26 hours it takes to drive from Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Kissimmee, Florida. We'd drive straight through. We just wanted to get there, at least I did. And we would move in then with my mom and dad who had a little double wide trailer and they would move out for the week. They would get an apartment nearby in the village where they lived. And they would spend the days with us and then exhausted in the evening, they would go to their apartment and get a chance to rest up for the next day's activities. The little double ride trailer where they lived wasn't fancy. They had been missionaries uh, for many of the years of their lives and hadn't collected a lot of stuff, but they had a couple of nice things, an old oak commode that had belonged to my father's grandmother and on it, there was a hand-painted German vase that had belonged to my mother's great-grandmother. Otherwise, it was mostly new and inexpensive stuff that they'd purchased when they got down to Florida. Well, anyway, we'd uh, spend the days with them and they'd leave at night and then come back in the morning. And this particular day, I was up early and I was shaving. I was going to go do a workshop at a nursing home not far from the village there over in Daytona Beach. And as I was shaving, I was listening to my kids who were running around the house. My mom and dad hadn't arrived yet for the day when all of a sudden I heard a crash. And I peeked out of the bathroom door and what I saw was my son Luke, who I suppose was five or six at the time, had been waving his blanket around in the air and trying to snap my youngest son Dan, who was probably two or almost three at the time, tried to snap him on the butt. And Luke had missed Dan, but he had caught that old German vase and had sent it spinning off of the commode where it had fallen and broken into pieces on the floor. And I remember a sense of horror as I saw that precious old vase lying in pieces. And I yelled out of the bathroom door, Luke, what have you done? You've broken Grandma's precious vase. And then in an attack of cowardice, I said to Luke, I'm out of here. You tell Grandma what you did when she arrives this morning. And I left in a hurry and drove over to Daytona Beach. But all the way over there, I was wondering what happened when my mom arrived for the morning. And so before I started my workshop, my workshop, I phoned home and my mother answered the phone and I asked her, what happened? And she laughed and this is what she said to me. She said, when I arrived this morning, Luke came to me in tears and told me what he had done. And I pulled him into my lap and I said to him, Luke, you are my grandson and I love you. That vase is just an old thing. Doesn't mean anything to me compared to you. Just forget it. And in fact, I could hear Luke laughing in the background. 
Well, what are we hungry for? We're really hungry like Luke to be able to name all of the brokenness within. He had broken grandma's precious vase, but all of us have broken things and broken relationships and broken God's law. We have across the landscape of our past a whole variety of things that we've messed up and uh, places and people that we have left in broken pieces. And we're hungry then to be able to name that brokenness, that sin, those places and people that we have hurt, the heartaches we've left behind us. We're hungry to name those out loud in the presence of one who loves us most of all. The presence then of Jesus, who like my mother, with her grandson Luke, in his love, wants to pull us into his lap, and who offers each of us then, uh, as we uh, name the litany of brokenness deep within our heads and hearts, offers each of us that thing that we are so deeply thirsty for, unconditional forgiveness and love from God our Father because of what Christ has done for each of us. Because of Jesus, we know that even though we are broken, sinful people, incredibly, we are still loved. We still belong to our Heavenly Father who claims us and clings to us and who, whose love makes us whole, whose unconditional eternal love turns our upside-down upside worlds right-side-up again. When Jesus says he has given his own flesh as the bread of life, he surely means that he died in the flesh upon the cross so that all who believe in him will find forgiveness and love and life and hope that goes soul deep and satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. St. Augustine famously put it this way in a little prayer. O Lord, you have made us for yourself and we are restless until we rest in thee. It's my prayer for each of you today that you will find and feel that love of Christ that alone satisfies the deepest longings of your soul, that you will find rest finally and fully in the Lord who loves you most of all. Amen. Although Lutherans don't do altar calls, and this really isn't an altar call, I'd like to suggest just uh, as a practical way of putting this little message into practice, that you imagine as you sit alone somewhere, maybe in your favorite comfortable chair or in a quiet room, you imagine sitting there with Jesus sitting next to you. And you name out loud the variety of things that maybe continue to haunt you, things that you've done in the past that you know are wrong, uh, places and people uh, where you've messed up, uh, heartaches that you've left and people who have loved you dearly, stuff that you've done that you've never dared tell another soul. And you imagine saying it all clearly and calmly to Jesus. And then, after you've named that stuff out loud, you imagine Jesus smiling, opening his arms wide to you and saying, my child, I love you and I forgive you all of that stuff. You belong to me. Forget it. You are completely forgiven. And hearing Jesus say that, I hope that you'll be able to leave behind 
any of the regrets that maybe still haunt you, any of the things, the sins, the stuff that have happened in the past that continue to mar the sense of peace and hope you have day in and day out. Jesus offers each of us that kind of incredible forgiveness, that amazing grace. I'd like to invite uh, Jim and Debbie to come and sing for us now, please. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be a king of a vast to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. We continue then as we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. I'll invite Debbie to come then and do the prayers of the church. Debbie. 
Christ and sustained by the Spirit, we offer our prayers for the Church, the world, and all of creation. For the Church of Christ in all its diverse forms, for mission developers, new mission starts, and all communities of faith exploring new models of ministry for the sake of the gospel, for congregations facing difficult decisions about their future, God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the health and well-being of creation, for shade trees that provide refuge from the hot summer sun, for lakes, rivers, and oceans contaminated by pollution, and all who lack clean water. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those called to positions of authority in our legal system, we pray. For judges, lawyers, law clerks, and court employees who ensure the fair administration of justice. For corrections officers and prison chaplains that they would deal mercifully with those who are incarcerated. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who cry out to you in their affliction, for exiles, refugees, and others who face long and difficult journeys, uncertain about the future. For all who mourn the death of a loved one, and we think of the families of Sue Fowler and Paul Silty in our community. For all who are sick, Julie Dubois, Joanne Fowler, Christina Burgett, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Myrna Brown, Mary Greiser, Vernon Lee, Helen Erickson, Gary Fredrickson, Rick Elmer, Sherma Olson, Randy Goglin, Maury and Lee Nicholson, Kirsten Overby, Andy Elmer, Leslie, Larry Bazile, and Steve's mom. For all who are sick, God in your mercy, hear our prayer. For this assembly gathered around your table, we pray for those among us who bake bread and prepare the vessels for our communion celebration. For those who bring the food from this table to those who are homebound or hospitalized. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift these and all our prayers to you, O God, confident in the promise of your saving love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, listen to your children pray. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children pray. Send us love, send us power, send 
We continue then with the offering part of our service. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, to your home congregation, to the synod or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. This time we'll have an offering song. The chimes of time ring out the news Another day is through Someone slipped and fell Was that someone you? You may have long for added strength Your courage to renew be disheartened for I have news for you it is no secret what God can do what is done for others he'll do for you with arms wide open he'll pardon There is no night, for in his light you'll never walk alone. Always feel at home, wherever you may roam. There is no power can conquer you, what God is on your side. Take him for his promise. Don't run away and hide. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon. We follow the uh, thinking about the gifts we give and the difference they make with an offering prayer. So would you pray with me, please? Gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us, the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that moves us. Amen. We continue as we pray together our Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive then the benediction. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today, folks. We continue then with our closing song. Jim and Debbie. Be not dismayed, whatever God will Thank you for listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amory, Wisconsin. Our pastor today is the Reverend Greg Wilcox. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. All you may need, he will provide. God will take